This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The title of the book, I think we can all agree, is something we can relate to. I could just scream. And our author, Ray Martini, joins me from deep in the heart of Texas. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you. Nice to be here. The book on the title and on the back uh, shows a very exasperated individual, and the uh, back cover talks about your book this way. I Could Just Scream addresses the frustration many people feel about how schools, politicians, and the government machinery twist and turn their own agenda into something perverse and try to sell it to the American people as truth. The book is a candid, raw look at the way things really are in our country today, and if they don't change, we'll continue to get much worse much quicker. Ray, it sounds like you have something to say. Well, I do, Jay. Uh, I appreciate the call. It's very nice to be here. I'm uh, I'm a baby boomer, so I'm an older guy. Uh, recently retired. I was an electrical superintendent. Married 44 years to my wife, Diana. And uh, have noticed a number of changes, as have uh, many people, particularly of my generation, of how things have changed, uh, not uh, particularly for the better. Mm-hmm. So I sat down and started just to write my own journal, developed into a book uh, and uh, fought coming up with a good title and, and and the one I came up with I could just scream is really very descriptive of how uh, as you said earlier uh, about how a lot of people feel uh, about how things are going you've managed to uh, pen this and express your exasperation in 53 short pages that's uh, I guess an honorable uh, length of page to be uh, sharing this kind of uh, material how did you begin the book I mean did you just were you going to just share it with family and friends or did this uh, become a passion of yours that you felt you had to share with the world it's actually my second book I wrote one earlier called the death of leadership Mm. which was more uh, autobiographical about my experiences in management uh, and in business and industry. Uh, But that was really personal. That was really just venting. Uh, Then it became more general when I took on some of these subjects that a lot of people I found will discuss one-on-one, a lot of people I know. But when it comes to public speaking, people tend to hide under the political correctness, or uh, call it what you will, they're subjects that are rather controversial, right? and they don't want to be uh, quoted, and they, they don't want to be heard. So I thought, I'm going to lay it out, I don't know whether it's good, bad, or in between, but I'm going to tell the world what I think. Um, it's kind of raw, it may offend some people, and that's okay too. And I guess if I, if I had an objective in mind, it's to get people's attention to say, hey, what is this? What's he talking about? What does he mean? And uh, let people take it from there. The first chapter deals with a very sensitive subject in the United States today, the English language. What is your thought about the English language? Well, as I I started out uh, saying, you know, when I was growing up, we had our own slang. 
of course, as all generations do. But we knew correct English, and of course, when you were in school writing papers and whatnot, you knew what to say and, and how to use the language. I think a lot of that is lost nowadays, and it's it's slang and colloquialism, uh, even just within the English language, let alone being bombarded with whatever other languages. I think it's great. People who speak two, three, four, five languages, I think that's outstanding. I've tried learning uh, other languages. I think my brain is too old to absorb that. But if nothing else, if you're in the United States, you really ought to speak language, uh, speak English, and speak it well. Um, and it just tears me up when I hear how high school and even college people just murder the language. I think they can do a lot better. It is a sad reflection on our educational system, or maybe not the educational system, but I think the sensitivities of those who are learning, perhaps. Uh, I know people that have been brought up in poor homes, poor environments, but still speak well and uh, come across as very well educated. And one of the points I make in this chapter is, be it fair or otherwise, you will be judged by how you speak and how you present yourself. Uh, you may think that's unfair, but, uh, you know, that's life. Yeah. Uh, so for your own benefit, you really ought to learn your own native language and uh, present yourself a little more professionally than just street language wherever you come from. Ray, did you also address the social graces in our current society? Well, one of the uh, other chapters is called Civility Lost, and I think that approaches that kind of subject. But uh, that's true. I, did, I don't know that I specifically um, addressed that kind of thing, but it certainly goes along with civility and polite, politeness and common courtesy. Things we were taught as kids, uh, I'm not sure is really uh, taught as automatically uh, to the younger generation. You've certainly not shied away from difficult subjects. Uh, you talk about <laughs> the social skills, of course, and then college and then schools don't teach, yes, they preach. What are you thinking is happening there? I'll tell you what, Jay, it's, it's frightening. I've, heard, I've seen a number of videos, some have been on TV, some are on YouTube and so forth, of what actually goes on in college classrooms across the country. Now, I'm generalizing, sure, there's always exceptions, but there seems to me there's a, an agenda uh, which is being pushed in colleges particularly, which is not just to teach the subject or or to give any kind of a well-rounded education, but a political and social agenda. And I don't want to get too political, but there's an awful hard push towards the left, towards uh, liberal bias being, being taught uh, in schools. And these are the kids who are future leaders, and you just wonder what kind of a product this uh, college or university is going to produce if they get a constant barrage of uh, 99% uh, of the liberal bent. Not balanced. Not balanced at all. It, I have no problem. I think it's great that all things ought to be introduced uh, to young people so that they see all sides. But like anybody else, if all you get is a, is a steady diet of uh, one particular thing, what else do you know? Have you been getting any uh, adverse feedback from the title of your book and from its contents, uh, from people who've read it? It's interesting. The, 
the book is now just being uh, introduced, but the feedback I have gotten is a lot of, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, I agree. I fully expect, however, there's going to be some uh, negative pushback, and that's fine. Some of the, the topics in here, as you say, are very controversial. You know, I talk about immigration. I talk about racism, uh, direct and reverse. I talk about uh, the English language in colleges, the news media, and so forth. So there's subjects in here that are, that are going to offend some people. I talk about <laughs> that in particular. That nowadays, half the world seems like they run around waiting to be offended, and I go into a little explanation of that. And that's great. If you like it, that's fine. If you disagree with it, that's fine, too. Let me know. Uh, I'm on Facebook as Ray Martini. My website is uh, raymartini.com. And uh, I'd love to know what uh, what people really think and what the general public thinks of it and uh, agree or disagree. You didn't set out to oh, purposefully instigate a riot or instigate uh, some dissatisfaction with you as a personality. Or who did you want to reach with your comments and with your story and with your book? You know, it started out, I was really talking to baby boomers, people of my generation. And then I thought, you know, it really applies to everyone, young and old and in between. Uh, people who have gone to college, people who have not, uh, people in industry, students. Uh, I talk about one chapter is old age. But when I talk about money or just paper, that applies to everyone. Uh, immigration, racism certainly applies to everyone. But I get a lot of feedback from people uh, in the baby boom generation who see the changes that have taken place and for the most part anyway agree with a lot of the things I talk about. One of, one of the chapters is called service industry and I talk about back in the 50s when you pulled in to get gas the attendant not only gave you gas but check the, the clean the windshield and check the tire pressure and check the oil and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and how all that has gone away um, so I certainly did not start out trying to aggravate anyone but I thought if I'm going to write something and one of the issues is political correctness the last thing I want to do is be politically correct so I'm going to write what I think I'm certainly entitled to my opinion and I would love to hear uh, response, good or bad, plus or minus, to what I had to say. And we'll see what happens. How would you introduce your book to someone who's not familiar with you or may think this cover is a little outrageous? How would you introduce the book and get them interested in at least getting a copy for themselves to read and share with someone else? I would say it's a social commentary designed to get people's attention. Um, I'm not trying to, I'm actually not even trying to change anyone's mind uh, to my way of thinking. I'm saying, you know what, we have an issue here, and it's really not discussed in uh, on the news because they're all too politically correct. Again, I'm generalizing. But we've got some issues here that we see and hear about that we're aware of every day. And let's tell like it is. Let's not cloak it in political correctness and oversensitivity. Let's just tell it like it is. And you can uh, agree, as I say. Uh, I'd love to hear some feedback on it. You may have a different opinion. You may change my mind. I'm certainly uh, 
flexible enough to, to have my mind changed if I hear a better argument. But here's the way I see things, and uh, so here you go. Well, Ray, I appreciate personally that you are candid enough to share your ideas and thoughts without being argumentative. I don't think it's an argumentative book. I think it's just an observational book of things that concern you and perhaps should concern our readers. Uh, a great idea, great book, and it's a short read. How many pages is it? About 67 or so? Uh, let's see. I'm looking at I think it's uh, about 40, I guess, depending on which format you're looking at. I have the, the paper version here. It's about 40 pages, and I'm not sure what it came out in on ebooks. Uh, but it is available on raymartini.com, and I have links to uh, Amazon and Kindle and uh, so forth. And it's published by Author House, uh, who have been uh, real good with me. I'm a, I'm a new author, so I haven't been doing this 100 years. As I say, I was an electrical superintendent. I've worked around most of the country and a little bit out of the country. And uh, I hope that gives me a little bit of perspective. I know an awful lot of people have had an awful lot of discussions about many of these issues. And there's people who feel very strongly all over the country, I assume all over the world, but might be a little hesitant to say it publicly and certainly uh, would be hesitant to say it in print. So I took a shot, and uh, this is, <laughs> this. I'll tell you this, it's 100% honest, certainly not meant to attack anybody, but this is what Ray Martini thinks at this point in my life. Ray, thank you for joining me today and uh, sharing your candid views of uh, observations of what's happening in our world around us. The title of the book, again, is I Could Just Scream, and our author, yes, Ray Martini. Thank you, Ray, for joining me today. Jay, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure for Author House and Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The title is All in God's Glory, Adoption to the College Football Hall of Fame. And our author who joins us today from Georgia in the United States, Curtis Cliff Chip Kell. Chip, welcome to the program. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate you calling me. Looking forward to it. Fascinating book cover. I see some activity on the football gridiron field and also a picture of you looking very robust and a little serious on the cover. Why did you choose this title, All in God's Glory, and tell a little of your background? Well, I chose the title because I felt really blessed with all the, uh, first of all, with an outstanding family to adopt me and uh, raise me and uh, also give me the athletic background or actually God gave me the back the athletic background but they got it out of me produced it I, my dad was a coach and uh, of course he introduced me to the weights at an early level and uh, he was on top of his game as far as training techniques for that for that year and time and uh so I felt very blessed to start with on that end and then to have the athletic ability that I had um, to go through college and, and even play some pro football. So I felt very blessed. And first thing that came to my mind was that it was all in God's glory because you're supposed to use what God give you gave you to um, honor his name and draw people to him so that was the reason for the title the picture was a very special game as my senior year and that was the tv lineup for the florida game in 1970 was the front picture there you have uh, uh, obviously not just the skills but you had the mechanics uh, the, the the bodily shape the the build that would fit into a football game that's sort of rough that's unusual also. So your dad was a coach, but you had the natural skills also that could be developed. Yes, I did. I really did. And that was the God-blessed part of it. Uh, I was basically a pretty well-built kid anyway. And uh, you throw the weights at me and the agility uh, stuff, playing basketball and this, that, and the running track and uh all that developed it, along with a lot of good coaches and, and a lot of being on a lot of good teams with good coaches too. So uh, everything's about timing, in my opinion, and the timing was was perfect. And all I did was take advantage of it. So I was very fortunate. Share your story of uh, getting into football as a career for a while. Uh, well. My playing career was cut short, really, by a pretty serious injury. Uh, poor decision on my coach, I felt like, at that time. But uh, as a pro, you just don't put offensive linemen on kickoff coverage team. That's where I got my, my knee taken out. And uh, I could have gone back, but I just I felt like after a doctor's opinion and the way I was treated, more or less, after I got hurt, I decided not to. And the next best thing was coaching, in my eyes. And so that's when I entered the coaching profession, was right after I left playing. There are some other individuals that paid or played an important role in your life, some of your uncles. Uh, what was the impact that they had on your life in a positive way? Well, the positive thing about that is my overall family, including uncles, aunts, and, and all of my relatives showed interest in me, along with the kids, kids in general. So 
that kind of thing, that's the kind of nurturing you need growing up and things that you don't ever forget is the time spent on their time for spending time with me. And uh, you never forget those kind of things. And that's a lot of what I want to give back to kids, too. When I was coach, I tried to be available for any kid to talk to me in the school, not just football players or track athletes, but anybody in school that needed somebody to relate to that was having hard times at home. Uh, all that was instilled in me by the attention I got from my relatives. You mentioned faith as an important aspect of your growth and your personal life and your personal path. How did that begin, and uh, did it sustain you through college and into your into your career? Well, it was faith was put into my life early. My my uh, parents were Christian parents, and uh, went to church, and I went to church. And to be honest with you, uh, growing through my athletic career, when I got away from home, I kind of got away from it, and uh, I could tell the difference too. And I really got back uh, active as an adult um, the way I should have. I mean, I, you know, you kind of, you always have that faith, and I always thank God for everything he did for me, but God wants a closer relationship with you, and I felt like I tried to do a lot of things throughout my life and career on my own and making decisions on my own within, when I know now that would have been a lot better off if I'd asked for his help. Is there that's the faith, putting the faith to work right there. Faith, faith with action instead of just words and ideas and concepts. Definitely, no doubt about it. I'm convinced of that, especially now. I mean, I've been so blessed now later on in life, you know, and I was blessed just to be able to put that book together. Nobody ever told me I could write a book except my fourth grade teacher. And I... <laughs> I wrote some poems in the fourth grade. She says, you could be a writer someday. Well, you know, you start thinking, me, be a writer? I don't know about that. But uh, when I had the notion to write this book, I know that God was going to get it done, and he did. So, As you began to write this and felt inspired to tell your story and tell your background and tell the foundation of your faith, uh, who did you hope to reach with this? Is this a book that's going to appeal to jocks only, or is this a more widespread appeal? I think it's more widespread because my faith has gotten stronger and my life has been easier the older I've gotten and the closer I've gotten to the church and to the Lord. And I think youth today need more of it as well. You know, there's so many evil things out there now that you can get a hold of if you're not directed in the right direction. Um, it can cause a lot of problems, and I think our country's seen that. I think the world is seeing that right now. Chip, how long did it take to complete this book and go back in your remembrances and bring them to the forefront and share your story? Well, I had to work on it off and on. It wasn't a, uh, a steady thing, so it covered over a year and a half to, to start from start to finish. I had to get away to do it, to be honest with you. I had to isolate myself to um, concentrate on doing it. So I would get out of town and go to a campground or something where it was quiet and I could concentrate and uh, 
I did a lot of research back in old scrapbooks and make sure I could get as close as I could to everything that uh, I was talking about. Most of it I remembered, but, you know, I had to refresh on a lot of things. And uh, so it took some time, but it wasn't steady. But it basically took over a year and a half to finish. You've included some wonderful photographs in your book that include photos of your career and also of your parents. Was there uh, any difficulty finding those photos to include? No, not at all. I had them in scrapbooks, and uh, my family, as close as it's been all these years, has, uh, has always taken a lot of pictures. And uh, there's a lot of them now I need to go through and put in, in albums. So that was pretty easy, really, finding that. That helped. The back of your book reads like this. This book takes you on a lifelong journey from being adopted by two loving people to the College Football Hall of Fame. Along the way, you'll read about the trials, tribulations of a record-setting athlete trying to make life-defining decisions. The book is um, a broad spectrum of events and emotions. Um, Adoption, for some, can be very traumatic. In your case, do you feel, I'm I'm assuming, and also from reading your book, that it is a, a blessing in your life? Were there any other challenges related to that as a child growing up? No, not at all. In fact, uh, unless you tell somebody, they really don't know, you know. <laughs> so that part of it wasn't a bit of a problem for me. And uh, today, you know, with all the abortion and, and stuff like that going on, it makes me sad because there's so many people that can't have children that want them, you know. And right. I, I see a fit there. And uh uh, it, it makes me sad today the way abortion has, has gotten more and more popular and abandonment and, and stuff like that because it was very special to me. And uh, uh, I was asked, as usual, parents are supposed to say, would you like to meet your uh, biological mother? And I said, no, I wouldn't because I knew the circumstances on which I was put up for adoption. Mm. And uh, I I didn't see it that way. I saw the parents that I had as being my true, real parents. And a lot of the book, too, uh, talk about decision-making and having the, counting on the Lord to make decisions, major decisions instead of making them on your own. Uh, as far as some of the decisions I had to make, like where to go to college, whether to leave uh, San Diego Chargers and go to Edmonton, these are main major decisions. And... Uh, it's stressful, and everybody's faced with those types of decisions, I'm sure, I know. And then uh, it's a whole lot easier to have faith in, the, in God to help him cause he, or count on him because he will help you make those decisions, and you feel good about it, and you don't end up second-guessing yourself all the time. Your title, All in God's Glory. Describe that to my listeners in a couple of sentences, paragraphs. Introduce the book to them. Well, all in God's glory is is exactly what it says on the book, that God is in charge and owns everything and decides everything. And having a strong faith along with a strong attitude, a strong state of mind, and a strong preparation and whatever you, your goals are, the guidance with God, it will always, it cannot go bad. It will always turn out for the best and for the most positive for yourself and for whatever you're trying to do. 
and, ba- and the main thing is you're you're making a commitment to help other people get to that state as well. Well put. The title of the book again is All in God's Glory, Adoption to the College Football Hall of Fame. Our author, Curtis Cliff Chip, Cal Chip, where do my listeners get copies of your book? Well, the easiest way to get it is Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Books A Million. Uh, they're available in those three areas. Or Alter House is the publisher of the book. And uh, that's the easiest way to get it, I guess, is just order it from those places. They also can do a search online under your name, Chip Kell, K-E-L-L, yeah. and, of course, the Curtis yes, Cliff on the front. website. It's www.chipkell.com. Chipkell.com. Wonderful talking to you. Is there a sequel in the works, do you think? I don't know. I'm just kind of seeing how this goes, I guess, and uh, I hope if it saves one person, it's been worth the effort, I can tell you that. And uh, So I'm not opposed to it. I might. I don't know. <laughs> well, you never know. Something I gotta see how it goes. You never know. I'm not gonna say I won't, but I'm guaranteed say I will. You know. Chip, you mentioned the football hall of fame in the college uh, arena. How did that come about, and how important was that to you? Well, it was an honor. I wouldn't. I didn't think I, I'd be in line. I didn't know if I'd be in line for it or not. Uh, it was a surprise. I was flattered get that call saying that I've been chosen to go in the Hall of Fame. And getting there is unbelievable. When you're around the Hall of Fame or in that area, especially in the induction process in New York, you see so many coaches and so many players that you've read about, seen on TV as a child, and also played with and against, and uh, people have asked me, what's it like? What's it like? I said, it's like being in football heaven. And that's, that's kind of gave me the spark right there to imagine what real heavens are like, see? Mm. Uh, and things happened too. I had a, when I was getting ready to be inducted, uh, standing right in front of me was Sam Huff. And the thing about Sam Huff was I had written him a letter. 47 years prior, when I was 10 years old, asking for his picture and autograph. How incredible. And there it was, 47 years later, he was standing right in front of him, and I got to introduce myself and meet him. Those are the kind of things that just are unbelievable that happen in the Hall of Fame and when you get around that arena. What was the key, key element in getting put into the College Hall of Fame? Well, one of the stipulations is you have to be uh, an All-American. I think if you're, to even get considered, you have to be an All-American. And I was a consensus All-American two years, so that gave me the eligibility. And then they have uh, chapters around the country, and like there's one in East Tennessee, and had that chapter played on our team, and, and he worked. Uh, they work for you to put you to nominate. You know, words, you're nominated by chapters around the nation, and then the overall uh, committee decides on who they're going to put in. They have a committee that votes on who to put in after these chapters send in these names. And uh, Dick Williams, who I played with at Tennessee, is, was the head of the East Tennessee chapter. See, but this chapter is all over the country. 
a great story. Thank, thank you for sharing that, that detail. Sure. Thank you for sharing your time and your testimony of faith, the foundation that is the important aspect of your life, and also your background as a career professional in football. The title again is All in God's Glory, Adoption to the College Football Hall of Fame. Our author, Chip Kell. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. Thank you, Jay. Call any time. I appreciate it. Yes, for Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, The Beauty of My Shadow, A Story of Strength, and the author is Samantha D. Michael, and Samantha joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Samantha. Hello. Well, it's going to be a little different in this interview because we're not only going to talk about the Beauty of My Shadow, we're also going to talk about two other books. Uh, one, uh, you writing as a ghostwriter for your happy Michael, your dog. Yes. <laughs> I uh, surprisingly wrote an extra story. An extra story, and we'll find out about that. And, of course, uh, a book for children as well, The Princess in Pink, which is a children's version of The Beauty of My Shadow, and we'll find out why it's so important that you wrote that as well. So, the beauty of my shadow. What would be a way you would sum up that story? Uh, it's basically a, a story of triumph, isn't it? Adversity and triumph. I agree. Um, something happened uh, a few years ago in my life that reminded me of something that happened when I was a teenager. I had almost been killed in a car accident by a drunk driver. And what happened in my life, it took me back into that experience, and I uh, had to work through some of my feelings that I still was holding on to about what I went through. So you were in a coma for how long? Um, I was, well, I was in the hospital for like a month. I don't know exactly. It was uh, approximately a week or so. Mm-hmm. But that type of injury is one that affects all parts of your life. You don't just open your eyes one day and reclaim the life that you had before it's a learning curve the whole experience so this book helps others that have gone through similar things to realize that there is hope in spite of all the uh which seems like life has ended uh yes and it's not just specifically for trauma related incidents um life is going to be hard for us all in different ways but i share my experience to help readers learn to find inner strength within themselves as well, hopefully. 
So as you write, it's a powerful reminder of strength and versatility of the human spirit. So no matter what happens to us, there's still uh, a new beginning. Yes, and to look for it. Some people give up on life, and uh, I had, I personally had given up on a part of myself, and that's what readers will learn about me reclaiming that part of myself. So out of that came a book for children. Now, The Princess in Pink, how, how did that come about? Well, what happened was uh, when uh, an editor was working on uh, The Beauty of My Shadow, I was I let my dog out one day, and I was just sitting there and I when I took all the hurt and anger and all all the things I needed to work through out of my story all of a sudden I had a children's fairy tale in my hands um, I met Princess Diana when I was in a children's hospital uh, after my injury and she is written about in my memoir and uh, I took that and turned it into a fairy tale and also a music CD mm-hmm. Well, that's really what the memoir is about, is when that experience happened at a party um, that reminded me of uh, a drunk driver hurting me. When I was younger, uh, I uh, had a music CD created, and I wanted to raise money, and I never thought I would write books. And then all of a sudden, one day, a family bought 25 CDs and sent them out as gifts uh, one Christmas, and I wrote them a one-page summary of what I had done, and they received letters back from people um, applauding what I have have done. And uh, that's when, in the back of my mind, uh, it started to simmer, how could I tell this story? And um, I'm I'm really not copying any type of memoir out there. I I, I don't even read them. So it's it's unique how I've written it. So as you look back at all you've been through and writing The Beauty of My Shadow, and then, of course, then writing The Princess in Pink, or the children's version, uh, was it difficult to go through that experience again, you know, all the all the emotions, and then try to then put it in a form that's more like a fairy tale, so it doesn't scare scare kids? Yes, uh, it was it was very difficult, but actually the fairy tale put a smile on my face, and so did Maya's book, and I think that's why my creative. A kind of mind kind of came up with these ideas for the story to take my mind off of the uh, the adult version because the adult version is not PG rated. Uh, there are swear words in it, and I've written under different pen names for the the um, the memoir. It's S. D. Michael, and for the fairy tale, it's Samantha Michael. So I tried my best to you know so that kids can't recognize uh, that the two are connected right away. It's up to the parent to. Uh, share or the teacher to share whatever they want to from the true story uh, with the children because I just say in the fairy tale that um, I was in the hospital because um, I was in a car with somebody who broke the law and you know that's up to whoever uh, is responsible for the kids to uh, share with them more detail. And tell us a little bit more about the fairy tale. Um, I I love the story. It's uh, It starts with once upon a time, uh, a princess came in an airplane across the great big blue ocean with her two little boys to visit some children in a hospital. And I was one of those kids in the hospital. And what had happened was I asked her to sign in a recovery book that I had. And this recovery book was something that um, all the doctors and specialists were, were encouraging me to keep. And I, did, I didn't want even to get her signature. I was kind of getting it from my mom, but she wrote in the book. And I say in the story how it was with a magic pen that she wrote, because um, when you go to the adult version of the story, 
that piece of my recovery book, it's the only piece I have left, is her Princess Diana's signature, is what I got um, to work, I held on to it when I was reminded of my accident one day, and um, that is what carried me throughout my story and helped me create a nonprofit corporation. It's a family corporation, and um, I'm raising money for the advancement of education through all the books and the music CD and everything. So it's it's um, uh, a full story, <laughs> my uh, everything that I've uh, created, but it's one that I have benefited from tremendously and I have no regrets about doing anything and I hope to raise lots of money for um, for everybody I to can't, put, um, good programs into our schools. I can't imagine the emotions you must have felt when you learned of her car accident and her death. Yeah, and actually my mom had her signature all the time and this is in the fairy tale and after she died, my mom gave it back to me, and it, it, it never became truly, truly meaningful to me until until her death. Like, and this is how our stories are are, are very interconnected in ways. And um, in both the fairy tale and my memoir, there's a quote from Princess Diana in the front that's uh, treat others with kindness in the hopes that one day they do the same for you. And so she was kind to me one day, and I hope to return the favor for her through um, raising money and um, as a tribute somewhat to her. We've been talking with Samantha Michael and her books, The Beauty of My Shadow, and then, of course, the children's version of that, The Princess in Pink. But now we're really going to switch gears, and we're going to talk through the eyes of her dog, (laughs) (laughs) Maya Mia Let's see, Maya Mia Happy Michael, is that it? Yes. I share, I, I, I gave her the full, um, all her names, because as readers will learn about, I don't share this in the fairy tale, because it would have taken up too much time, but I changed my name after my injury. Mm. I, um, my name used to be Doris, and I completely felt I lost that life, and um, so... Um, that's why with Maya, I give her, I let her have all her names. <laughs> <laughs> but she's on a different mission, isn't she? A whole different mission yeah. than most could imagine that a dog would take on. I know, I know. It's a very cute story. Um, I never thought I'd write about it, and it was one day. They're all real pictures in the in the, in the book, but one day I was looking. I, I was. Um, she had killed a butterfly in the summer, and then I was, uh, as punishment, I was making her dress up as a butterfly for Halloween. And I was looking at her. I'd put the butterfly costume on her, and uh, just to stretch it out for the big night. And then my mom said to me, she goes, when are you going to write your next book? And I go, oh, I don't have anything to write about. And then I'm looking at this dog <laughs> dressed as a butterfly, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is a story. <laughs> this so is a story. I, I, I tell the story through her eyes. And, you know, it's it's actually for adults, too. It's a light read. It's something. It's I, I didn't even gear it specifically for kids because there's conversations that Maya hears that are adult conversations, and she doesn't understand them. And so anybody can read it. But it's raising money to save the monarch butterfly. Save the monarch butterfly. Yep, that's and Maya's purpose. Everybody ne- needs to plant milkweed. Yes, yes, yes. And um, so the money raised from the sale of Maya's book is going towards a different area of uh, advancing education um, about um, the importance of, of that, that weed and how the monarch is really struggling and, and um, 
hopefully uh, people can become a bit more enlightened uh, about what they could do to help in our world. What was the psychological bonus for you writing Maya's story for her? It took my mind off of the memoir. I, I, it was just so cute of a story. It made me smile. And here, um, the memoir, it, I'll be honest, I cried and cried and cried. Like, there's chapters in it. I wanted this edited thoroughly, that memoir. And I went over it and over it and had editors helping me and everything. And it was a nightmare having to read chapters. Like, I, it's called The Beauty of My Shadow. It doesn't say The Beauty of My Previous Shadow. <laughs> it says The Beauty of My Shadow. This is still a part of me that, you know, I'd rather forget about. But if I, by telling the story, it can benefit others, then I think everybody can win from it. So uh, Maya's story was just, uh, just, ah, just wonderful. Just wonderful to take my mind off of it. So are there more books, more writing within you? I have gotten ideas. But I've said to life, uh, 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 no, no, I want to push these three books forward and then um, see what happens. But more kids' books ideas have come to me and um, actually ones that have meaning. And it's so it's kind of like the Princess in Pink one, because uh, in the Princess in Pink, I, I share uh, information about my head injury. And um, I think it's a great way for parents to educate um, children about the importance of protecting their, their heads and their brains and, um, you know, that the the difficulties that come after, it's not like just breaking your arm and having the bone heal. There's long-term consequences from that type of um, brain damage. So would you say you're back to what percentage of all that that, uh, you'd like to be doing? I mean, are you on the path? Are you, you know, a long way down the road or a long way to go? Um, I'm just about to launch everything, and um, I hope to raise millions of dollars. It's my goal. And, you know, some people might say, oh, how can you say that? Well, I'm, I, I don't tell my mem- – my memoir isn't a story of me being a victim. It's a story of strength. I have pride in how I coped with things, and um, I think that uh, parents, especially for head injury, um, of children with head injuries need to hear my story because um, – it's uh, it's a struggle, and I share what my family went through. My aunt has spoken about in my memoir. She's a medical doctor, and she even uh, her medical notes that she had from my injury are quoted throughout the book. It w- it was a story that touched all of our lives, and um, you know there wasn't really that much support out there for me when um, I went through it. It was a very isolating injury to recover from, and I think the public needs to become more aware of the difficulties. It's not just like oh really that happened uh, you know after somebody dies or something like that from suicide um, after um, receiving kind of this kind of injury it shouldn't be that much of a surprise uh, the, um, the the challenges that are occurring in the person's life we've been talking about three books the beauty of my shadow the princess in pink and the butterflies above my bed we've been talking to samantha michael and also um Maya Mia Happy Michael. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's asleep on the chair right now. (laughs) Who's just got this thing about saving monarch butterflies. So we appreciate (laughs) Maya for doing that. So, Samantha, what's the best way to get all three of your books and even your CD, your music CD? 
Uh, the best way is available online in both ebook and print format. Um, the for the memoir, I I we I can raise the large, like the the book is wonderful to have, but I can raise the largest amount of money through the ebook. And the bonus of the ebook is that you get to see all the pictures right away of what I'm talking about. And I even mention sometimes some dance videos, and you can click and see it, and it becomes a more interactive. Um, way of reading the story but the but the hard copy is still good but at Amazon Barnes and Noble just do a search but the the music CD right now is available through iTunes and stuff like that um the only thing is that in the in the states, I still am um, having to to work with the Harry Fox agency to to get the digital licensing for that. So, uh, but the hard copy of the CD, the beauty of having the hard copy of the CD is there's a painting that you'll learn about in my memoir I had created for the cover of the CD. Um, I volunteer in the arts in at the National Arts Center here in Ottawa, and this is how the idea came up for the music CD. I've volunteered there for 15 years, and it was a professional pianist who performed all the music on a stage my grand piano and it's called songs for everyone but if people go to the um our website anybody like in the states or anywhere can order the cd um it's uh called songs for everyone but the website is www.anaid.org and some might think that's hard to remember it's diana backwards <laughs> the foundation is called an aid to health foundation so and aid is dianabackwards.org, and you can uh, see and listen to samples of the songs on, on there. And um, I, I, I have received so many compliments on the quality of, uh, of the CD, and it's a soundtrack now for The Princess in Pink and The Beauty of My Shadow, which is kind of unique. I don't know that many memoirs and uh, children's fairy tales that have soundtracks, but this one does. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Samantha, on Author Talk. Great. Thank you so much.